SLU International Business Now, Conversations That Matter, is a podcast developed by the Boeing Institute of International Business in St. Louis University's Chaffetz School of Business. Special thanks to founder Dr. Sung Kim for his grant to support the launch of this podcast. Welcome to St. Louis University International Business Now, Conversations That Matter. My name is Todd Havermail, and I am your host. Today, our guest is A.C. Marchioni. A.C. is the President of Sales and Marketing and Board Chairman at Griner Bio One North America. He is an experienced global business leader. Today, we are going to talk about one of my favorite topics, leadership. Leadership is everything, and it's even more important in today's chaotic and challenging times. This episode of St. Louis University International Business Now is brought to you by Griner Bio One North America. As an international manufacturer of scientific and medical devices, Griner Bio One provides clinicians and researchers within the world's largest hospitals, pharmaceutical, and biotechnology corporations with the laboratory and diagnostic products necessary to improve health. Learn more at gbo.com. AC, welcome to the podcast. Tell us about Griner Bio One. What does your organization do? So Griner Bio One is a plastics company that is concentrated in the core areas of medical device manufacturing. And that includes blood collection tubes, safety needles, capillary collection products, urine collection products for diagnostic testing. And then we have a bioscience business unit, which is concentrating in general plastic wear for the laboratory. So test tubes, Petri dishes, pipette tips, anything found that's manufactured in plastic in a general laboratory is where we bring our expertise. And who are your customers? Our customers are physicians, laboratories, acute care reference labs, pharmaceutical companies, biotechnology organizations, clinical research organizations, and just about any blood bank or plasma center across the U.S. and the world, for that matter. So what you do, what Griner Bio One does, is critical in the medical field. What sets you apart from your competition? Why Griner Bio One? Todd, we do make essential products, life-saving products, diagnostic products, and products that improve healthcare. And what sets Griner apart from our competitors is the way that we service our customers and the high-quality products that are European, Austrian, German-engineered products of the highest quality. So let's talk about your role. You are the president of sales and marketing and the board chairman at Griner Bio One North America. What does that mean? That means I have several different hats that I wear on a day-to-day basis. As president of sales and marketing, I am directly responsible for our commercial operations team, including sales, marketing, tech services, and customer success. I also manage on an interim basis for the short term, a key account management team of seven key account managers that manage the majority of our our business in the U.S. And I also indirectly manage our management team through our board and through our department heads. That's a lot of responsibility. That's a number of people 
that you have to look out for. So that'll lead us right into our discussion today, which is about leadership, leadership during chaotic times. In the last couple of years, we've seen quite a few significant events, starting with COVID-19, the pandemic, and then just recently, the war uh, in between Russia and Ukraine. It's certainly a chaotic time. What is your definition of chaos? So, Todd, chaos to me is defined as a state of extreme confusion and disorder. And what I mean by that is compasses fail, people are disoriented, up is down, down is up, the ground is the sky, the sky is the ground. And as leaders, it's our responsibility, especially in the global chaos, the international business chaos and landscape, we need to bring back order to our organizations and to our teams. One of the definitions we talked about was VUCA. Could you explain VUCA? So VUCA is a term that we have created within our culture. It is online and basically it describes volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. That's where the VUCA comes from. And for me, VUCA is a real important part of our culture today because if we have an understanding that these four things exist, then we're already creating a psychologically safe work environment for our teams. And you're 50% of the way there and already creating some normalcy within an organization. So how do you create psychological safety? How do you create a culture on your team to mitigate VUCA? The first thing is we all recognize and understand the term that it exists and we help people understand why our day-to-day lives are so often turned upside down. It eases the tension among our teams and it allows for some sense of recognition that things are not always going to go the way that we plan them pre-chaotic times. Previously to the pandemic, to the European war situation, and to many other uncertainties that have developed over the last 24 months. Most of us were executing in our positions in a very good way, a predictable way. And now that VUCA exists, people become conscientious, they become stressed out, and they have to deal with international challenges, they have to deal with local challenges, they have to deal with a lot of chaos from many different areas. And VUCA, the meaning of it, the understanding of it, the culture of it, helps us understand that it's okay to have uncertainty in our and uncertainty, volatility, complexity, ambiguity in our lives. So I think the first step is what you're saying. We have to recognize and acknowledge that we operate within a VUCA environment. So do you have a specific example or a story of how your team reacted to a specific challenge that was brought on by COVID or perhaps recently with the war in Ukraine? I do have some examples. VUCA is creating an interesting landscape for us on the operational front with respect to 
shipping and logistics, also with inflation recently, price increases. It also has created international import and export challenges. And it's creating an environment where we have to become a better organization. We have to be sharper. It's forcing us to become a much better company by becoming more proactive. And I have termed something which you won't find online, I don't think, called adaptunity. And adaptunity is adapting to opportunities. So VUCA creates issues, problems, if you look at it that way. But what adaptunity does is it turns that view upside down and it allows us to see things differently in an adaptunity environment and adaptunity view, you can see an opportunity amongst the VUCA. That means working quickly, working and adapting to the issue and bringing an opportunity to the table. Griner specifically did that when we launched a virus stabilization tube very quickly. So during the chaos, adaptunity set in, we identified an opportunity to help resolve the pandemic by producing a virus stabilization tube. And our teams were empowered. They accepted the VUCA and the adaptunity challenge. They worked very quickly across international boundaries to create a new product and launch it very quickly and to help ease the pandemic. So when you say quickly, how quickly? We're talking two weeks. Our teams worked two weeks to create a virus stabilization tube for the swabs to be put inside of and transported to the laboratory. There was a very, very big shortage. We adapted a blood collection tube, added saline and other components to it, and launched that product in the millions of units so that testing could occur nationwide and then worldwide. And our teams, again, in a VUCA environment, adaptunity environment, they were able to execute flawlessly and create a new and profitable product that helped improve the lives of many, many people worldwide. That's a great example. It's also a great example of how a global pandemic created an opportunity and a challenge for you domestically and then how your team reacted. So thank you for sharing that. Is there anything else you'd like to say on this topic before we move on? Creating a culture of adaptunity is something that takes time. You have to empower people, you have to trust them, and you have to inspire them with creativity to bring new products to the market quickly, to identify the need and to be first to market is not something that is easily done in a chaotic environment. And I'm proud of our team for what they were able to do. Yeah, I agree. And you said some really key words there. First of all, it takes time. You have to empower people. You have to establish trust and um, you have to take action and you have to experiment and try different things and see what works. So I'm going to shift gears and go into another challenge that we're all experiencing, the great resignation. So tell me, have you experienced it? And second, 
how are you dealing with this disruption within your company? So speaking of chaos and chaotic times, definitely the great resignation is challenging many international business organizations and local domestic organizations worldwide. And what we're seeing is people are wanting to renew their careers. They want a renewal during and post-pandemic and post-chaos. They're trying to bring stability to their lives by changing their careers or changing their positions. And that is impacting everyone. And I think in most times, people quit their managers. That's what I feel. Or they quit their company if there's a bad culture. So I think creating the right culture is very important. Creating an environment where transparency, empowerment, and creativity exists, ensuring that leaders are not chaotic, creating the right vision, motivating and inspiring people can help reduce turnover during these chaotic times and bring some stability to the workplace. Absolutely. So essentially, you're always practicing transparency, empowerment, teaching, adaptivity, and working on your culture so that you minimize the impacts of people that resign or go on to new careers or different parts of their life. Is there anything that you're doing differently today in the great resignation environment that you weren't doing, say, three years ago? Todd, yes, I think we are focusing more on personalized development of our teams. We're trying to bring emotional intelligence into our culture more strongly, which is self-regulation, self-motivation, self-awareness, being empathetic, having the right and exercising the right social skills. If we ensure that leaders have emotional intelligence, then they can do a better job of managing the change in chaos. Also, when we talk about individualized development plans, we're talking about programs where people are taking additional courses on leadership that we support, and they might be starting a different degree program within our organization for additional development, almost like a renewal without leaving the company. And finally, what we also do that's different from other organizations is we try to motivate and inspire by turning minutes into meaningful moments. And what I mean by that is coaching someone when they do really well on a project or presentation, taking a moment to recognize good behavior helps decrease turnover. And also, conversely, recognizing in real time where a team member can improve helps create a world-class culture also, instead of waiting 12 months until a performance review. So if you want to create a world-class international team, then being transparent, being honest about our behaviors, doing it in such a way where we can accept criticism with emotional intelligence, or we can give it with empathy and social skills is very pertinent during VUCA, during the chaos that we're experiencing. So how do you deal with the challenge of the remote work environment, real-time recognition, praise, 
real-time feedback on opportunities for improvement, coaching moments? What are the challenges or the benefits of the remote work environment? So great question, Todd. I think every there are a lot of people working remotely, and that does bring a challenge of providing real-time feedback when you're not in real time together. So we have platforms where we can instant message or we can text. We also have training on how to deliver proper messages for our teams. In other words, this is what I observed. This is how I felt when I observed it, whether it's good or bad either continue doing this or my expectation is and recommendation is that you do it this way in the future. Is that something that you can do? And that's creating a really nice global environment for ourselves where we can coach and mentor even when we're not together in person. Tell me more about the personalized development plan. How do you construct that? What would that look like for a typical member of your team? How does it work? So we conduct merit increases once a year, typically in December. And what we do is we sit down one-on-one with our uh, teams and we have a transparent discussion around what's going well in areas where development could be mutually agreed upon. And we look at different programs. We look at different trainings. For example, the American Management Association offers some really good training courses that we would pay for and support for different individuals. Uh, We also have shadowing, job shadowing that we have launched for people to gain more experiences in different areas. And finally, we have an academy where selected future supervisors and existing supervisors can participate in succession planning and develop training that's customized for the culture that we want to create as leaders at our organization. So you create the plan at the beginning of the year with your team. And then what about accountability throughout the year? So again, accountability is coming from our real time, turning minutes into moments, conversations, and having a psychologically safe environment where transparency is not frowned upon, where transparency is accepted and also where emotional intelligence can help that and support that. So how do you develop someone in emotional intelligence? Great question. And first of all, people have to know what that means. So we have virtual meetings right now, some in-person meetings where we discuss and review articles from week to week. And emotional intelligence is oftentimes a topic of discussion for an article review or for a video to watch and to comment on during different meetings. We can share ideas. What is the feedback? What's the take-home message? How can we implement emotional intelligence, for example, next week? Those are things that we engage and try to internalize with to create the right culture. Tell me your experience working with people around the world in personalized development, emotional intelligence. How do you, do you do it differently for different cultures and different regions of the world? 
Are people the same? Tell me how you do that. How do you adjust? You know, cultures are very interesting. Cultures are very different, especially in a matrix organization like ours. I'm dealing on an hourly basis with it could be someone from Austria. It could be someone from Germany. It could be someone from Brazil. It could certainly be someone from the French-speaking area of Quebec. It could be a diverse person within our American team. So culture is very important. And I think that understanding different cultures and how to communicate, how to persuade, how to interact with leaders and building trust in different cultures is very important. Agreed. So tell me, leadership is a lifelong, never-ending journey of learning. What do you recommend to leaders who operate within VUCA environments to become better leaders? I think that, and my recommendation is that you must be understanding of VUCA you must be supportive and engaged with your teams, even when they're remote on a daily and weekly basis. So communication is key. You have to create limits of how much chaos you'll accept and take decisions to limit the chaos. We as leaders should maintain a healthy work and family and overall life balance. I think that micromanaging during a chaotic environment and landscape can really be detrimental to an organization. And what I found in my career is that really great leaders shine during chaos and really bad leaders are worse during chaotic times. So understanding that that happens and understanding where we are on the continuum of leadership is really important because during chaos, uh, you could find yourself without a job if you're a poor leader. You're going to spiral out of control as you try to control the chaos. So there's very little that we can control in life. My opinion is the only person I can control is me. How do you find the balance? How do you avoid the chaos? What do you do? What are your routines? My routines are, are centered around stress relief and around finding time to relax and unwind because when you're emotionally intelligent and when our leaders are regulating their behavior, they're motivating themselves and they're being empathetic and they're being careful about what they say and how they react to the chaos, that is very exhaustive when you're conscientious about it. So the more emotionally intelligent you are, the more exhausted you are at the end of the day and the more relief you should find in unwinding. So what I do is I shut it off. I try not to discuss work with my family. I try to exercise and release some stress. And I try to relax and clear my mind. It's good advice. Thank you. This might be the right time to begin to wrap it up. Do you have any closing comments or messages that you would like to share with our audience? I believe that international 
business leadership skills are important now more than ever before. And our teams and our organizations are expecting strong leaders to step up and be the foundation of the chaos and to bring as much normalcy as we can to our international landscape, our international partners, and our customers. And I think that it starts with understanding VUCA and creating a safe environment around chaos, around the volatility, around the ambiguity and uncertainty. I think we need to challenge our teams to embrace adaptunity, to find positive opportunities within the chaos, and that's going to take creativity. I think we as leaders have a responsibility to every shareholder, every customer, everyone in the community to create world-class organizations. And finally, I think we are responsible for normalizing the chaos. And once we do that, it will result in significant successes. So AC, in your opinion, in your experience, what are the characteristics of a strong global leader? Todd, thank you for the question. I think that there are some key characteristics that will make a strong global leader. And my recommendations are to be humble. That means being strong and sincere in your sense of personal modesty. I think being absolutely honest is very important in terms of dealing with customers and dealing with your teams. You want to be broad-minded. You want to be able to make global decisions that can build trust across geographic boundaries. And I would add inclusive in there as well so that people are feeling as if they were participating no matter where they are in open conversations and are encouraged to do so. You mentioned humility, number one. And I also believe that humility is the most important attribute of a leader. What does that mean to you? I think being humble means that you recognize where you came from and that you know where you're going only through the performance and the results speaking for themselves. Okay. Well said. AC, thank you very much for giving us your time and sharing your insights on leadership. We look forward to talking to you again, my friend. Take care. Thank you, Todd. It's been my pleasure. And I hope that the words and minutes that we've spoken today will turn into moments for others. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the SLU International Business Now Conversations That Matter podcast. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast series so you don't miss any future episodes. To learn more about the Executive Master of International Business program, please visit biib.slu.edu. Again, that's biib.slu.edu.